Слава Исусу. So who's the main speaker? <laughs> Brother. That's so right. It's not Alex Slobodanik. I'm not trying to pick on anyone, but it's not Alex, it's not Max, it's not Daniel. I already received a word from the Holy Spirit. Honestly, thank you, brothers. Thank you. I would just sit and listen to you guys. You share from the bottom of your hearts. Thank you. The sermon, the message that is lived through, something that you experienced, that's not fake. That's something that's going to work in your life and then in the life of others. So praise the Holy Spirit. Praise God for speaking to us simply through... God doesn't really care about the titles or any, any position of a person, right? He, he cares about our intentions and the sincerity of our hearts. And so those passages, those words that you read from the Scripture, they're already working in our hearts. And I believe that we will pray using those passages. Today is a prayer youth service. And when we say prayer, of course, we want to pray with God and pray to God. We use this word, pray to God, but I actually think, recently I started thinking about praying with God, because that's, we say conversation, prayer is a conversation, right? So when I talk with someone on a topic, I have fellowship, I have good time. When I talk with God, I pray with God. I know it's probably grammatically is not accurate, but I, I like that, I still like that. I pray with God, you know, with, with His words. I have conversation with Him. Before, before I actually preach, I want to ask you a few questions. And I think I'll um, use a couple things from my phone. I took notes. Actually, I have some stuff to read from the phone. So hopefully you're not going to get offended by that, right? Is that okay to read from the phone? Okay, I have the Bible too. So I'll read from the <laughs> Bible as well. But let's, let's answer these questions first. You, you can share it. Um, share your thoughts about this. Um, let's start with a few questions about prayers. What, what do you pray about in your life? Give me ideas what people pray about. Help. Okay, anyone praying, ever prayed for help? On the test, right? <laughs> what else? What do we pray about? What's that? For the spiritual growth. Okay, it's not just a, a cry for help, but it's probably more intentional, right? You, ha you, you know that you have to be transformed. Yes, you start praying for that. What else? Wisdom, like example in what? Wisdom in school, yeah, right? In relationships with, with people, right? Sometimes you just meet people that you don't know how to relate to and how to, you know, keep um, nice Christian relationships with certain people, you know, wisdom. Okay, what else? Strength. Strength, like what? Do young people get tribulations and, and tough time? Seriously. I think that when you start having kids, you have tribulations, right? I'll give you statistics, actually. But um, 
Yeah, I, I have to believe you. <laughs> you said the truth. Okay, so you pray, you pray for that. Suffering is a real thing. Anybody knows suffering is a real thing, right? My first prayer, I want to pray several prayers with you because I, I believe that when we get together with a large congregation like this one, we have different kinds of um, ideas about prayer. Some of you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, others not. Some of you are growing and you've recently been growing spiritually and you got baptized in water, others not. So we need to agree on how we pray together so that we have unity. And I believe that actually short sermons versus main speaker, <laughs> or if there's such thing, uh, are better because you're pointing to the problem or to the prayer need and we're praying and we remember what we're praying about. So first thing I would love to pray about is people who are suffering today. An older lady, 84 years old, called me. I think she didn't mean to call me. You probably know this um, case, maybe. There are relatives here from Vinitska Church where a uh, 51-year-old uh, father, husband died. Anybody knows what I'm talking about, right? His mom called me, Sister Aluda. I'm almost crying because, you know, when you, when you hear that suffering when a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who has the gift of prophecy, asks me, who am I, first of all, asks me to pray for her, I am humbled. I am humbled. And when I was praying, I didn't pray on the phone, but then I, I started praying for her. And you know, like when you pray and you like really mean it, you talk with God, you not just talk to God, but talk with God. And I closed my eyes and I was like, Lord, you know how it feels to lose a son. And then all of a sudden I'm like, yes, Lord, God, Father, he knows what this lady is going through. I don't know. Praise God, I don't know. But he knows the suffering. He knows what people are going through. He knows what young people are going through and what older are going through. And I was like, Lord, you can help her. I don't know what my prayer even means. You are the Lord. You are the Almighty. You are all-knowing. You can comfort. I cannot. But I just want to fulfill that request, and I want to pray. If you don't mind, could we please pray for that lady and for her husband, for that family? Could we? Let's just stand up and pray. We don't have to pray long, but let's, let's be sincere. God... Lord, you know this, you know, uh, you know her husband, you know her relatives, this family. God, I'm not relative of this family, Lord, but I come to you and I stand on the word that you gave us. If somebody is suffering, your word says, let him pray. God, we're praying for this family because they are suffering. They're going through hard times in tribulation. They ask questions for which there are no answers. When mom buries her son, Lord, there is no answers. But you know the pain. You know and you have the grace to help that family and to help this person right now, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch that heart and that you will lift that burden and that you will help her and that you will help this whole family. Lord, we pray together. We agreed to pray for this family. We'll keep them in our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Guys, we, brothers and sisters, we need to learn to pray with the Word of God. 
There's power in the word of God. There's no power in my words. There's no power in your words. Whatever you say to God, not that he doesn't care, he cares, but it doesn't make any difference in the spiritual world unless it's based on, based on the truth. But people tend to make uh, mistakes and we do so many errors, we do so many mistakes, we realize that the older we become, the more time we spend, the more experience we have in our life, we understand that we are humans. And our words, our thoughts, our intentions are so twisted, we're so, we're so wrong on many things. We think we're right, and this world teaches a lot of things. I'm biking with my son, just, just uh, road biking, and there's this billboard, and he's like, Dad, Dad, look at that billboard. It says, be yourself, be you, be courageous, be all that garbage, and I'm like, yeah, well, I'm starting conversation. Yeah, you have to, but what does that mean, be yourself? What does that mean, follow your heart? Listen to your gods, listen to your intuition, who knows what. We, we don't know the truth. The only way to get to know the truth is to read God's word. I'm not trying to be, you know, like, um, I'm not inventing anything. I'm just giving you the, the, the very simple path back to the truth. What will help you in your prayer life and in your life. I do believe... And I say this with faith, that majority of you guys will succeed in life. You will have success that this world will not recognize as success. Because Christians, successful Christians are not the most, uh, you know, um, popular, wealthiest, and so on. Success that comes from the Lord is to fulfill God's will. Success, successful life is not compared to any worldly standards. That's why you cannot judge this person is successful or not. Success is only when you fulfill God's will for your life. So don't just follow your intuition. Don't just pray whatever prayers or try to pray more. Start with the Word of God because the Word of God is the truth. It's the light and it will show you what to start with, what to pray about, who you are truly at this moment, where you need to be corrected, what you need to change in your life, and then you will start having God's grace and success that is measured by God and that is blessed by God. So when we read this passage from John chapter 17, Jesus said the following words, I, Jesus said, glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So Jesus' purpose on this earth was to come and then as a human pray every day, look for God's will into his life. And I want to say this, you know, pretty, uh, you know, yeah, I'll just say it. Jesus didn't know what's going to happen next minute. Jesus didn't know what's going to happen in his life on a daily basis. Jesus didn't know that he's going to heal certain people or do certain miracles or what's going to happen with him. He had a purpose. He had an idea, but he had to pray. He wasn't just faking when he prayed for the whole night. Okay, He just didn't know as a human. He set a good example to all of us. So if Jesus had to look for God's will, for Father's will on daily basis to pray, to pray with tears, how much more we should do? Can we say amen?
And so when Jesus, at the end of his life, because this was a prayer before he was crucified, when he prayed this last prayer, he said, I glorified you on this earth. That's success. Okay, listen. Are you glorifying God on a daily basis? Are you bringing glory to God? I'm asking this question myself. Am I bringing glory to God? What am I doing in this world on a daily basis that brings glory to God? You know, the tricky thing is that when you start doing good stuff, it doesn't mean automatically that you're glorifying God. When you start being more uh, disciplined, when you start uh, cheating less on the test, when you start uh, watching more um, Christian movies, I, I don't know, instead of non-Christian, whatever. When you start doing that stuff, that's ridiculous because God is not asking us for more good stuff. He says you have to be obedient. Like Jesus was obedient. If you are obedient to my word, you bring glory to me. And so Jesus said, I glorified you in all perfection, in all completeness, 100% on this earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. In Hebrews chapter 10, 11, it even says that we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our um, thoughts, in, our, in, in whatever, in our conscience. And we, um, we did good works, but they were dead works. Okay, there's a, there's this expression in the Bible. So as soon as you start praying more, uh, but not according to God's will, as soon as you start doing more work, but not the works that God wants you to do, you are not doing anything in the spiritual world. You're just repeating the same mistake. The effective prayer life, the effective um, uh, life of a Christian has to be founded on God's Word. And I want to read the one example and pray for uh, something, something else. We prayed for the suffering, uh, people suffering. We pray for something else. And it's going to be James chapter 5. This is an example of a person who prayed like any of one of us, but he had tremendous success in the spiritual world. What was he doing? His name was Elijah. So James chapter 5, Elijah, James chapter 5 verse 17, was a man with a nature like ours. Okay, let's, let's stop and think. What kind of person was Elijah? How do you picture Elijah? Prophet Elijah. How old was he? He was... You know, once he was a child, right? Then he was a teenager. Then, then he was an older person. How, how was the, what was his lifestyle, Elijah's lifestyle? Was he a priest? No, he wasn't. Was he a special person in terms of like a soldier, officer, king? No, he wasn't. The Bible says that he was a person... In First uh, <clears throat> Kings chapter 17, a person who lived in Tishbite, in Gilead. That's the place in the middle of Israel, mountain place. He came from there, was an average guy. But then the Bible says that being a man with nature like ours, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain 
and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Everybody say, wow. <laughs> three years and six months, no rain. Think of California fires, right? <laughs> what was going on in Israel? This average person, or uh, not average, he was a hero, but he was a man like me, like Alex Slobodyanik, and he prayed earnestly. Well, earnestly doesn't mean that he prayed loudly. In the original, it says with prayer. In Russian, it also says, um, meaning here that he prayed a strong prayer. But something happened. And then I asked this question, why? And in the next verse, it says, then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. How can I pray like Elijah prayed so that I would see answers? I want to see answers. I don't want to just waste my time saying prayers to God. He has millions and billions of people to listen to. I want to hear God in my life. I want to follow his word. I want to have answers. So I look at Elijah, and like I said, I go back to 1 Kings chapter 17, and I read the story, how exactly he prayed about the rain, first about no rain, and then for the rain. And it says, Verse for, uh, 1, 1 Kings 1, 17. I'm sorry, 1 Kings 17, 1. Elijah, this person like me, who was of the settlers of Gilead, and said to Ahab, the king, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. You can be confused sometimes if you don't read the scripture in the context. Please read Bible, and one verse of the day is good. But it's good to read chapters and, and more than one chapter. There's a context. And then we read again, the word of the Lord came to him. And we read this chapter, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But we see that actually Elijah is not praying his own prayers. It's not like he was sitting on the sofa one day and he's like, hmm, it would be nice to pray, you know, for too much rain. You know, like too much rain in Washington. Let's pray that there's no rain this, this year. No. It was the Lord who spoke his word to Elijah and then he prayed according to the word of God. We can see how he comes back after these three years and we have the accurate date, three and a half years, comes back to Ahab, this king, who is desperate. Everything and everyone is dying in his kingdom. And in chapter 18, he says, um, when he meets uh, Ahab, he comes to him and he says, Now send and gather to me all Israel and Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And king listens to him because he knows that God is speaking to Elijah and then Elijah prays prayers according to God's word. Now they know that because three and a half years already passed. They know there's an evidence. And then finally on this Mount Carmel, when they pray for this, when they pray with two altars, those of you who were in Sunday school know that there were two altars, one for the idol Baal and um, 
prophets of Baal were trying to get the uh, fire from heaven on their altar. Nothing happened. Elijah comes to the altar and he says in chapter 18, verse 36, At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, and here's this prayer, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant. Let's read together. And I have done all these things at your word. All the things that happened previously, all the things that Elijah is doing, a man like me, like you, he is doing at God's word. Whatever God told him to do, he does it. Nothing more and nothing less. And he's faithful and accurate, Elijah, by following God's word. And now he prays this prayer. He still says, he's not like folding his hands and like, Lord, now you do your stuff. He's praying, answer me, oh Lord, answer me again. That's a prayer. It's not like, answer me, oh Lord, answer me. It's answer me. It's like, like a man, he's standing there, nothing's happening. God told him what to do, but nothing's happening. So he does turn to God, lift up his eyes, and he prays, answer me. We have to pray. It's not like God will do all the work. He sends his word, but then we do our part. We pray. Answer me that these people, this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Question to you, who God glorified on that day? The Lord. The Lord. Amen. And when we read Jesus' prayer in chapter 17, John, he says, you are glorified because I fulfill your word. But then he says, and now you will glorify me. Every time when a Christian person, faithful person, glorifies God, that person is glorified too. We sometimes are falsely humble. We're like, no, no, all glory belongs to God. But we are Christians. We, we are called by the name of Christ. And the Bible says that if we do not glorify Him, if we are, He is not glorified in, uh, in us, James chapter 2 says that we may beslavim, we take that glory from Him. So either you glorify God or your life, unfortunately, is not an evidence of that change. So God is glorified in the eyes of these Israelites and Elijah is also glorified in the, in the eyes of Israel. And then there is a story about Elijah telling these King Ahab and saying, hey, go home, actually go eat and drink because I hear the rain is coming and there is nothing happening. Again, there is a word of God for sure. God told him the rain is coming. It's going to happen today. And then Elijah goes and the story goes like this. He goes on the mountain so that he can see all the way around, like well, maybe not Mount Rainier, but it's still like a hill. And he's praying one time, two times, three times, nothing's happening. And he has his helper. He's like, I'm going to pray here, but you go up and see. Maybe there is a cloud. Nothing. So four times, five times, six times. I mean, after the third time, I would be like, Lord, your will be done. 
and I would just go home. Okay? That's me. But Elijah, like me, he didn't pray like that. He was like, God, I know you will do your work, but I have to do mine. And he's again, Lord, seven times, I pray that you will do your, your word, your will. May your will be done like Jesus was praying. And then all of a sudden, this small cloud and then the sky is dark and the rain starts pouring down and this miracle happens. And so when you go back to James chapter 5, and you read that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. And then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Then you understand that it was not a whimsy um, you know, prophet, and he, and he was trying to do these tricks. Let me pray, let me pray, let me pray. He was exactly following God's will for his life and for the nation. And so... I believe, I personally believe, that if you practice that obedience in your life, obedience to God, and if you're faithful, your age doesn't matter. I know I'm preaching to young people, and sometimes we have doubts, or we sometimes have really, you know, the other way. But if we are obedient to God and His truth, we will see miracles in our life happening on a regular basis. The biggest miracle, by the way, is not getting lots of money or a better job. The biggest miracle is a transformed life of a person next to you. And by the way, you will never be happy if you're selfish and you're praying just for yourself, for yourself, for yourself, maybe for your family. I totally agree with, with Max. As soon as you start seeing other people in the church, in the neighborhood, in your life, you, you realize how blessed you are, first of all. How blessed you are with, with the fact that God gave you salvation, opened your eyes, and then you start sharing that with others. And then it makes sense for you to pray for the needs of others. Before that, you would feel like you're the most miserable person on this earth. And now you understand that someone needs more prayers than you do. And so, I know that I'm talking a lot of things, but let's, let's focus on a couple of things and let's pray two more prayers. We prayed for people who are suffering. And in the context, it talks about, in, in James chapter 5, verse 13, watch this. Is anyone among you suffering? Verse 13. What does he have to do? He must pray. Very simple, right? We did that. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. What do you do when you feel like you're dancing? <laughs> oh, dancing, right? <laughs> is that what you do? The Bible wants to... It's not like you're, you stopped praying because you feel uh, jolly and, and, and uh, joyful. But you need to focus on something because we tend, at least I tend, to say jokes when I'm happy. I tend to spiritually relax. You know, everything, maybe not everything, but it's cool. I just got healed or I got the answer. The Bible says, don't forget, focus your attention on Jesus through the songs. Sing the songs. What if you can't sing? Turn on the radio or turn on the, the, the recorder and, and sing with, uh, with someone, but sing the praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We need to practice this. Um, I do believe that there is a difference between inviting 
pastors and then pastors inviting people. So I'm not going to invite you. The Bible says invite pastors, right? Invite elders. And it's not wrong to pray for the six people, uh, uh, but, but I want you to have that desire. I want you to have that. I know that there are people who are sick. And this is the prayer I want to pray with you. I want to pray for those who are not feeling well for whatever reason. You might have something that is chronic. You might have certain allergies. You might, it doesn't matter. The Bible says that if you are sick, you have to do something in faith. If you have that desire, we can pray for you. Anyone who wants to pray that prayer today. If not, I'm going, not going to push. No one, but that's fine. You're young people, right? Healthy and yeah, I do believe there are some sick people. If you, if you still want to pray, I see one hand. If you want to pray, I would like to call you to the front. I know it's, it's a little bit more than you probably want to hear, but if that's if that's your desire, I want everyone. The Bible says that the earnest prayer can do a lot of things. So we'll pray. God knows your problem. God knows your prayer, your um, tears for sickness specifically. Yes, I want to be specific. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll start praying. I'm not going to make it long, but we'll start praying. We'll pray for you. And if anybody else, come to the forward. And according to the scripture, we'll pray as it says. We'll do the anointing with the oil and we will pray according to God's word. God's word says that if we have faith and if we come to him and pray for the healing, whether it's spiritual healing or physical, and right now I'm talking about physical healing, he will do his work. So let's close our eyes and pray. Lord God, we come to you and we believe that James chapter 5 is something that we can practice our days. We believe that the Holy Spirit who baptized us with the power to witness, to heal, to proclaim, He gave us this power to pray for those who are sick. God, we're praying that these people who have faith would be healed. We pray, Lord, that your healing come into their lives. We pray that you will touch their bodies. We pray that you will bless them with the power of the Holy Spirit and that you will answer their need. Whatever that might be, God, we pray that your blessing be upon them in Jesus' name. God, I pray that your healing power will touch their bodies. I pray that they will be healed in the name of Jesus Christ, in whose wounds we are healed. God, we pray that you will also teach these young people that you are working not only in the bodies physically, but in their lives. And whatever happens, happens for the purpose. Whatever happens, happens to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. God, we return this glory back to you. We say that you are powerful, not people. We say that you create and you destroy. We say that you give life and you take life. We say that you and we proclaim that you are powerful over every sickness, any sickness, anything that happens in our lives under your 
under control. Whether it's flu or something that is terminal. God, we know that you have power and we bring glory to you. May your name be glorified. We worship you and we praise you. Мы благословляем твое святое имя, наш Господь. Да будет имя твое благословенно. Благослови, Господь Боже, народ твой, и да будет присутствие твое на этом месте во имя Иисуса. И все мы скажем Amen. Amen. You may be seated. One more prayer I would like to pray with you. And so when we look at the uh, life of Elijah, he wasn't a successful um, God's prophet all the time. He made mistakes. And that's why the Bible says he was with a nature like ours. Nature like ours. In the original I looked it up, it says... He was, he was with passions like ours. Guys, passions and desires sometimes a problem. It's not, nothing bad to have desires. Because we have our dreams. We want to accomplish certain things in life. But very often, a strong desire without control of the Holy Spirit becomes a lust. Lust is a strong desire of something that is forbidden. Okay, once again, there's a lot of things, but if we have a desire, desire in itself is not sinful. But if it's uncontrolled, even if it's desire of something good, desire of intimate relationship, desire of eating good food, desire of uh, doing certain things, sports, whatever, if it's not controlled by the Holy Spirit, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual, just practical examples. If you think about something 50-60% of your time more than you think about the Lord, that's not normal. Okay, once again, very practical things. If you think more than half of your time of certain things and they are not controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're not consulting with God, you're not talking about this, you're not praying with God, you're not looking for the scripture relating that subject, it most likely it's already leading to the lustful thoughts and things that already somebody read, Daniel or Max read in 1 John chapter 2, that everything that is this world is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride. Okay, and so it's very important because Elijah, right after that miraculous conversion of the Israelites, when they came to the Lord, next chapter talks about his deep, deep depression. His desires, his passion, uh, his uh, emotions were for a time not under control of the Holy Spirit. And God gradually brought him back within 40 days. Sometimes it takes us longer. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes, miraculously, we can come back two, three days later after our fall, uh, spiritually or whatever. Uh, but in his case, God brought him back and he said, Elijah, you have to keep it under control. You forgot that you base all your decisions in life, whether it's marriage, whether it's ministry, whether it's whatever, based on my word. I still have an assignment for you. Ahab and Jezebel are not going to kill you because they were chasing him. You still will anoint this person to be a king in Judah, this person to be a king in Syria. This guy will be your protege, someone who will continue your ministry. 
But Elijah was like one of us, with the nature like ours. And these desires and passions that we have very often, they are exploited by devil. They are hijacked. Devil knows that he cannot attack our spirit directly because we are being born again. We are under protection of, the, um, of God himself. That's why he said, nobody is going to snatch you out from my hand. You are my sheep. So devil cannot really attack you directly. Okay? By what he does, he exploits your emotions and your desires. And that's why C.S. Lewis, one of his quotes, I really liked him. He's not, it's not like it's a God-inspired word, but I like the way he talks about desires. And he says, don't bother too much about your feelings and emotions. When they are humble, loving, brave, give thanks to them. Give thanks for them, I'm sorry. When they are conceited, selfish, cowardly, ask to have them altered or changed. In neither case are they or feelings you, but only a thing that happens to you. What matters is, is your intentions and your behavior. Like I said, this is not the God's inspired word, but it actually goes um, you know, along, along the lines of the scripture where it says that God gave us the faith that is based on his word. But then we have these emotions, like I said, and all kinds of feelings that we need to keep under control. And I want to pray one more prayer for those who are struggling with temptations. God says in 2 Peter chapter 2, when he talks about Lot, Lot, the guy who traveled with Abraham, he made a mistake. His passions, his desires took him all the way to Sodom and Gomorrah, downtown of Seattle. He built a house there, and he was watching the worst things that happened there on a daily basis. And deep in his heart, in his righteous soul, the scripture says, he was tormented. He didn't know how to cope with that temptation. And eventually the Lord took him out from Sodom and Gomorrah, destroyed that place, Lot lost everything, not the best way out of the temptations. But in that passage in chapter 2, 2 Peter, he says, so God knows how to deliver the righteous ones from temptation. Not just from the sin, from temptation. So I, I believe the word of God. If you're being tempted with whatever temptation you have, everybody has weak spots in their spiritual life, in their in their character. We're being tested and tempted in our own unique way. The devil knows that. If you're being tempted right now, like we've heard, wonderful message, brothers, you prepared for my sermon, everything. Tribulation. Somebody's already in there. Somebody just overcame certain things, and some one of you will actually get it. And especially preachers, we have to be careful. You preached about tribulations, expect the devil to attack you. I'm not scaring you, okay? We pray for you. You preached about how you are not selfish, expect temptations in that area. I preach about prayer, expect Alex's temptations. You guys pray for me. But we will pray this one last prayer. I'm trying to be as practical as I can. Lord, help me. God's word says that we have this promise from the Lord. He knows how to deliver the righteous ones from temptations. Can we say amen? amen? 
whatever temptation you are facing right now, God's will for you not to fall, not to suffer in the, in the sin, God's will for you to stand strong. He says in 1 John chapter 2, he says, you young people, Yunashi, you overcame devil. And God's word is in you. That's only one condition, guys. Of course, you won't overcome any temptation if you don't open this word. So make a decision for yourself to open God's word and stand facing those temptations in faith because God is going to help you. Amen? Let's pray that last prayer and ask God for his help in the temptations. God, we thank you for the promises that we have in you. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who is uh, controlling our hearts and minds. You gave us the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Not the spirit of fear. We're not going to be walking in the fear. We're not going to fear anything because we trust in you. We trust your words. You told us that you are going to help us and give enough grace to overcome temptations. Lord, whatever temptations my brothers and sisters are facing in this word, we heard today, God, you are going to bring us through. You're going to give us enough strength and power to overcome them. Lord, maybe someone is tempted by pornography. Lord, I pray for those brothers and sisters to stay strong, not to fall down, not to cave in, not to do anything stupid, not to do anything that they've done before, but to stand on the promises of the Lord that the one who is in them is stronger than the one who is against them. Someone is facing temptations of not forgiving someone, to just keep that grudge, to just stand in that bitterness. Lord, I pray that you will give power and strength to forgive that brothers and sisters or co-workers, whoever that person is. Maybe somebody lost a job. Lord, that's bitterness. That's something that might come and just hit us face on. Lord, we pray that you will give us help to face that temptation and overcome whatever temptations might be. Temptations to cross that line in the relationships with the opposite sex. Lord, I pray that you will help my brothers and sisters to stand on the truth, to stand on the promises that you gave us. You are going to give us the best at the right time. And so I pray that you will help us and bless us and keep us safe. Lord, and I just want to pray for those who are not even understanding what's going on. Lord, right now, the Holy Spirit, I pray that you will touch the hearts of people who are still on the way. They are far from you for whatever reason. Maybe they are being skeptical. Maybe they are being just um, in doubts or whatever. Lord, I pray that you will bring them closer. You can open the eyes of the heart. You can help people understand who you are, truly who you are. God, I pray that you will touch the hearts of every person at whatever place they are in their lives, God, and bring them to you. Only blessings, Lord. I proclaim only blessings for every single person, brother and sister in this place. May your presence be in our lives. Work in our lives. We want to see your hand. We want to fulfill your will. We want to glorify your Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.